All right, boys. It's time to spread them and get to the naked truth. Hey, hey, everyone. Lori Corrigan here bringing you The Naked Truth, a show that pays tribute to the valuable contributions you gentlemen make, both personally and professionally. It's a safe zone for you to speak your minds within the social climate where you struggle to be heard. And a shout out, before we get started, to our sponsor, Snake Charmer Men's Body Waxing right here in Chandler AZ. There's a reason why so few waxing studios offer men's intimate services, and many that do shouldn't. Snake Charmer isn't the norm, which is why it makes it the best. Not only will you find yourself within a physical and emotional safe zone, but you'll be the focus instead of an afterthought. I know this to be true because I own the place. So head over to snakecharmerwaxing.com or click on the sponsor image where you can see why we wax what others won't. Today, we're talking about emotional intelligence, also called emotional quotient or EQ, as it relates to men. EQ is defined as having empathy, effective communication, social skills, self-awareness, self-regulation, and motivation. With us to dig deeper into that is Lorenzo Ortiz, a negotiator and crisis intervention detective for Phoenix PD, along with Larry Horton, retired Phoenix police officer. Hi, gentlemen. Hi, good morning. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Lorenzo, let's start off with a deeper explanation of EQ. All right. So I guess in, in our world, we're looking at a way to take a step back and really you're trying to sense how and what people are going through. And I think that's, that's tough in a world where you're, you're raised as a law enforcement officer where it's you come in and everything is you have to establish this officer presence on scene and have to take control of everything. So officers tend to have that difficulty in transitioning to, oh, okay, we're going to slow things down for a second and try and understand the person, the problem, how it got to this point, and now listen to them work through their own problem. So it's almost like street therapy with folks, and that's that emotional intelligence out on the street. Interesting. So this is relatively in the history of law enforcement, uh, a new approach I'd say, and and negotiators and and crisis intervention have been around for a while, but I think there's a recognition now amongst the culture as a whole, at least here in the United States, and I think nationwide, or I'm sorry, worldwide, that we have to be doing smarter things and giving people better options when we're coming into a situation, and emotional intelligence as an approach gives us that. Hmm. It was pretty uh, intense in 2020, right? Absolutely. More so, would you say you you were facing the upheaval of a world, but only in your own Phoenix? It it may have been it was throughout the world. How how did you have to uptick what you do with so many people going through so much trauma? What happened that year? I think there was a a widespread recognition that things couldn't continue the way they were going, especially with the public outcry for change. And now, three years later, we're looking at administrations that are going, okay, what is out there 
that can help our officers be better prepared, better equipped to look at a situation from a different angle. And if we have the safe opportunity, because now we've slowed things down and make, made it safe for our officers to communicate with people, get to a better place, and then trying to mitigate the amount of damage, the amount of injury. Psychologically and physically. Absolutely. Larry, hi there. How you doing? (laughs) You and Lorenzo met while you were both on the department, because you're retired now, correct? Amen. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Retired in 2016. (laughs) And took your life back? Uh, (laughs) To to a degree, (laughs) I would say so. It, it was, yeah, we, him and I met quite a long time ago and it's been an interesting evolution for both of us. What's fascinating, I think, is that we've grown to, uh, unintentionally grown the same direction, which I think is fascinating. And explain that. Was he leading you? No, Were you following? It, it, it happened to be, it, it, well, not necessarily leading as much as we happened to be on the same path. We didn't know. We were congruent, but we had no idea that that was being the case. My personal experience was that I had, I had been put into, I, I love being a cop. Let me just stop right there, right? I love being a cop. Putting bad guys in jail is one of my, my favorite things ever. It was just so great. I had a great career. Uh, the department took great care of me, and they continue to do so. So I have nothing disparaging to say about that at all. I will say, though, that in our culture at work, you've got a bunch of hammers. And these guys, uh, and I say guys, it's, it's everybody, men and women. You know, we have a tough job. It's a tough gig. And you, you aren't really given a lot of leeway or freedom to have weakness mm. because if that happens heaven forbid you're not going to be effective all right which is fine and there's nothing wrong with that but the problem is, is that's not sustainable you can't take that home and at the end of the day too that culture if you don't have proper boundaries and an understanding of eq and and how finite that that persona is then what happens is there's spillover and then you have all these other latent problems that are going to contribute. And as we are up against sex addiction and divorce and alcohol abuse and and all kinds of other things, suicide, where is the conversation? How can we talk about these things? And so while we're not here to solve all of the problems of that is around this this industry of police work and law enforcement, which is so elaborate. We can talk about our own experiences and realize that as human beings who are embracing the opportunity to protect other human beings, there is fallout and cost, and we need to have a conversation about that. That was beautiful. That, that was so much, so much depth in it to give the listeners a greater understanding that Everything we typically know about law enforcement is very superficial and whatever the media wants to show us. So you two came together not realizing your energy was pulling you together. You become best buddies. And Larry likes to say you have EQ through the roof. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, legit. <laughs> that is legitimate. So in, in Phoenix alone, 
There are more than 500 officers who have taken the 40-hour uh, training to have knowledge about EQ, correct? Yeah, and so the, the, it's a tough one because we've introduced it in, in different ways. And so there's crisis intervention training. And those are officers who have a passion for wanting to help people, specifically in crisis, people who, who have been part of the uh, mental health system, people who are going through acute crisis. And you have officers who really want to do that. So they take a 40-hour class. There's advanced training after that. And there's a lot of officers who have done that. The 500 that we're probably looking at, you know, give or take, those are the ones that we've run through the uh, ICAT training. And that training um, is almost like a backdoor for us to get that same message out to every officer. And that is in an effort to have everybody, again, take a look at the situation and go, okay, we've got this thing calmed down. This person's contained. Now let's see what we can offer. And let's, let's do a different conversation with that individual. So with those 500, that was as of December of 23, I was reading, 521, I believe, which helps every precinct and every shift have representation of some sort of, of critical incident situations. If you guys can't be there, you have a partner, yes? I do. And so you two, that's all you do. That's, that's all we do every day. Um, we respond to crisis calls. We do the mental health pickups for folks um, when they're petitioned because they're a danger to self, danger to others, or they're persistently acutely disabled. And then we have other uh, squad mates. Okay, so this gives the, the entire Phoenix Valley a very wide reach. Yes. So someone could maybe stabilize a situation and then you guys would be called in or there, there's just full coverage now where there, are, there hasn't been for a long time with critical and, and EQ. Am I getting that uh, confused trying to use one word for the other? Because they're two different things. Yeah, and they're, they're not mutually exclusive because I think to be involved in crisis work, you have to have an understanding of EQ and how, how you're going to approach those folks. And really, if you can't get out of the mindset of, I'm the officer in charge, I'm taking control of this situation, and look at the situation of, this person has lost control of their life. How can I facilitate them to get to a better place and a safer place? That's the switch. Amen. Go ahead and take a little bit on that. Finish your thought, no, Larry. It, it, so what I think is fascinating, and, and I, I want to I wanna appreciate what what Lorenzo's bringing to the table here, because as we are up against culture, there, there are not a lot of, let me, let me rephrase that. It has been my experience that I've seen that there's been resistance to this kind of training. That's touchy feely, you know, Oh, that's soft. And it, and it's hilarious to me because what are we here to do? We're here to save lives and put bad guys in jail. Okay. If we're here to save lives, then how can I truly save a life in a crisis situation if all I'm, all I'm about is, you know, the ooga ooga? And I think what the other thing is, is it really it downplays the intelligence of the men and women who are out there because it, it's not a bunch of these jocks who are just getting out and, and wanting to push things around. You've got some brilliant minds out there. Now, not everybody's going to be a rocket scientist, but at the end of the day, 
you've got some folks who are really contributing towards this community in a, in a really significant way, whether or not it be tactical or whether or not it be uh, in a detective, investigative, curious mindset. However, and to add in what Lorenzo brings to the table, I mean, it, it is exponentially like making our officers more effective than they've ever been in the history of police work. And, I don't, and that's not even in a hyperbole. That is absolutely a true statement right there. So bringing that other aspect is, is truly introducing something that is so valuable. And then that skill can also be taken into a personal life with family and friends. So it actually makes, gives that person the ability to share what's been learned. Absolutely. And I think the, that is a difficult bridge to gap. It really is because you're taking, we, we as officers learn to compartmentalize really well because you have to go and you have to do this task and you have to do it safely. And then you move on to a totally different call. 20 minutes. You don't have time to process anything. No, there's very little processing. That is a unfortunate protective feature we create. And I think with other thoughts in mind that that actually causes problems down the road that Larry was talking about that long-term exposure to that. You can't, you can't build all these little boxes all over the place and not expect them to start spilling out. So while that is a great skill, being more aware with the EQ, now you can take a step back and go, I can put this little box here when I'm working on this call. But when I go home, those boxes don't matter because you have a whole list of memories and emotions and experiences with those family members. So the cognitive load now is spread out because you have all these parts of your brains that are firing up when you're inter interacting with your kids and your significant other. And you can try and control like you do at work, but that's not going to work because there's other things in your brain that are firing up because you have all these experiences with those people in your life. So emotional intelligence really transferring that to your personal life, that's where it becomes a conscious effort. It takes work. You have to be more mindful, have to set boundaries, have to have those conversations. And it's not easy. I'm, I'm not perfect at, at all. I'm, I mess up all the time. And it's one of those things that I think we struggle with as officers, and it would serve us well to get better at finding a way to, to help each other. There, the funding is there in Phoenix PD? So... I don't know. I can't answer that question because I don't know how that all works with within the um, employee assistance unit. I, I can't answer those questions. What what I and this is just me. This is my personal. What I would like to see somewhere down the road is I'd like to see more groups because I've found that there's immense power in group therapy. Mm -hmm. And I don't think there's enough of it. And I'm talking as a culture for law enforcement. And that's, that is my next goal. I'm, I'm trying to get my master's in clinical therapy so that I can go on and do that and help facilitate that because I think there's, there's a void in there. And when we can come together and talk about the experiences, the traumas, the triumphs, it helps us to strengthen as a culture and it gives us a place to go with all that cognitive load. Mm -hmm. And men in particular the the eq letters it, it incites fear in them because you guys are just peppered with you need to be more emotionally present you need EQ, eq you need to just go get it how do you you just don't go get it 
It's, a, it's, it's like be a man. Be a real man. I hear that all the time. Do real men actually get body waxing? What is a real man? So a real man is soft, Larry, and a real man is masculine. A real man can be both feminine energy and masculine energy. Law enforcement does not preclude you guys from having a softness. So EQ is wrongly interpreted as being soft, and that's why men are fearing it. Yeah, there's some categorization, I think. And I think there's some, there's a lot of headline stuff that's going on out there without delving deeper into what it truly is. And, you know, the guys, and I'm not trying to exclude the female gender, but what we, there's only 12% of women in the entire Phoenix Police Department. So, I mean, we're, we're dealing majority with men. And, and I'm not trying to shut that, that other group and out. And neither but, are we, <clears throat> but this is a men's show, so you go right ahead. Yeah, guys, guys have this thing to where if I talk about my feelings and I'm weak, or if I, if I disclose that I'm experiencing trauma or crisis, then I'm weak. And if I show that I'm in control, even if it's just a face, and again, not sustainable, right? And, and the thing is, what Lorenzo's talking about with the groups, I think is fascinating. We've seen the model work. It's in the military. Military has all these groups that they go to and they can talk amongst each other. Everybody understands and nobody leaves a room saying anything that anybody else said. And it's, it's just wonderful anonymity. And everybody, you know, they have a beer and they just, you know, punch each other in the shoulder. Everything's fine. And, and, and cops can have that, but it's not the same because... The military is a situation to where you're spending 24 hours a day with these cats, whereas we get a chance to, air quotes, go home, right? But it, 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 you don't. And so there's a guy named Jason Wilson who's out in the – and he's on ESPN. He's got his own podcast, and, and, all, and he talks about how men do not have the freedom to talk about things, and as a result, you destroy yourself internally, and then it all leaks out, just like Lorenzo was talking about. And in our culture, I think that there's this, you know, there's this, these um, horrific mores and norms that are like, oh, you got to be tough. And I'm just tired of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm just, I'm over it. And I, and I, I see it. And, and here's the other problem is it's pervasive then administratively. So when you have somebody who's, who's a, a rough and tumble, or I'm, I'm super tough and now I'm a a supervisor or I'm, I'm upper management and you say they'll have that same cultural mindset, you are missing out on so much and to the tune. And I, and this is not, again, a hyperbole. You could, you could lose lives if, if that is not checked. And yeah, it's a conversation. I'm not saying that EQ is going to solve everything in the entire world, but I'm saying that we don't have the conversation. The alternative is horrendous. Yes. And to your point, the physical and emotional breakdown that happens when things are not in check and you don't have a release valve for it. Um, where did I read that? Cancer is not the first part. The first uh, part of recognizing illness, it is the illness on the way. It's cortisol. It's living in, uh, yes, you're going to shake your head off of your shoulders. You're so agreeing, Larry. It is the constant presence of adrenaline. Not being able to set that down when you're done with a job 
it lives within you and creates so much havoc within the body. Did I read that from you? No, no, but, but uh, I agree wholeheartedly. And actually, uh, a presentation that he actually invited me to a couple weeks ago, we were talking about um, how cortisol affects the body, the brain. And what's interesting about extended cortisol release is that is something you see in narcissistic individuals because they fear uh, rejection so much. So what happens with that individual is they have this overwhelming cortisol supply, which now it affects the serotonin levels in the brain and the serotonin now comes down. And that is the number one thing you need to empathize, to be emotionally intelligent. Mm -hmm. So think about officers who are constantly being hammered and they're stressed cortisol their ability to chemically empathize is limited because now they are affected on a chemical basis. That, that is nowhere within the control of the individual. It is a reaction. It's a, it's a, which would you say then is why there may be some officers who just don't fit because they're trying to be all of this and the cortisol and the adrenaline is keeping them ramped up like, say, a bodybuilder who puts way too much testosterone in the body, um, can't, can't come down, can't come down, lives at that level. Yeah, I think that's a good analogy. And I think how do you, how do you change the moment that you take off your uniform and go home? Those chemicals and those deficiencies are still there when you go home. Mm -hmm. And that's, there's a big divorce rate in law enforcement, is there not? Yeah, there's, it's pretty high. And I, and I think it's, the, the thing we don't talk about is the divorces that never go through. It's like the quiet divorce. Yes. I'm done with this marriage, but I'm here for the kids. Yes. And I think that's a very real thing for officers because they feel like they have to keep up this image. I'm the family dad. I go to my kids' games. I do the best that I can. I work hard on duty. I take off duty jobs. I provide. And then they come home and there's nothing there for them. And I'm not trying to make this like sob story, but I think that's the reality. And that's another unspoken thing is they're coming home and that is just a, a landing spot. That's not home. That's interesting. There is no home because there's no place where they do feel comfortable within their own skin. Exactly. Because what's going on inside is dictating how they feel and act on the outside. Do you have a specific situation you can share where you applied this? Many, I'm sure. What one would you like to tell us? Trying to be careful. Uh-huh. Without <laughs> yeah. implicating anything or anyone. And yeah. if there isn't anything. No, and, and there are plenty of them, right? Um, I, I can remember there was one. It was, it was a positive outcome. A young man who was dealing with questions of sexuality and just was in a bad place because parents were not accepting of this young man. And uh, I, can, I can remember he's describing to me that he has this shotgun and he's, he's got it in his mouth at one point. And I'm, I'm trying not to cry because he's telling me I'm, gonna, I'm putting it in my mouth. He's describing what's going on. And he starts to, to scream and because he's trying to get up the courage to pull the trigger. And so I'd been talking with him for a little bit at this point. And I get him to focus, you know, you're, you're almost in this panic mode, like focus on me, focus on me. And uh, we talked for probably about another hour, hour and a half at that point. Uh, 
I knew there was a, a change in the dynamic because he unloaded the weapon. I could hear the sound of the shotgun unloading and I could hear he actually went up and put it up and that was the, an agreement we had. And I'm getting kind of chills as I'm, I'm telling the story. And, and I remember he finally came out. He was afraid because he thought he was going to get beat up, roughed up when he came up and I promised him that I, I wouldn't let that happen. And when he came out, he, he gave me a hug. And uh, I remember the officers looking at me like, what is going on here? And I just kind of waved them off, you know. And um, I think that was probably one of the most intense where I felt that I had reached my goal, which was it's always in those crisis moments, it's almost like I want to take my hand and be on their chest and feel the tenor of what's going on inside of them. And that's how I know that I've, I've reached that person. Now there's a balance there. I remember I was wiped for days after that emotionally because I felt that, that terror, that sad, and, and sadness is not an appropriate word for it, right? It's just this pit that that person is in. And uh, there's something to be said for paying for that later. And, and I think there's, a, there's also a reason that, that officers don't do that all the time either because that, that is a tough one, and you have to balance that and know when, when you're going to spend, you know, your fuel on that. Wow. Can, can I speak yes, to that real please, quick? Yes, please, Larry. You know, Stephen Covey talks about, like, in the, one of the first habits of highly effective people, we are all people who want to leave a legacy, gender aside. Every person who's on this earth wants to leave a legacy. Imagine being able to walk away from your day at work and your legacy is this guy is alive as a result of your emotional intelligence. That's intense. It is intense. And, and at the end of the day, isn't it strange that all of the Fortune 500, not all, the, the vast majority, over 80% of the Fortune 500 companies with major leaders, they are not the highest IQ, but they are through the roof EQ. So big things for us as men, aside from being tough, you want to leave a legacy. Aside from being smart, I want to be a leader. And so guess what? It all comes down to things exactly like Lorenzo was talking about. I would love to leave this earth knowing that I made a difference. How amazing is that? Well, guess what? It takes a little bit of work and it might do things that you aren't necessarily culturally familiar with or that are accepted in, in these, these circles over here, but they're undeniably valuable, undeniably valuable. How many of you guys can go out there and say, this is the legacy that I left? I know that, you know, I got a guy sitting next to me right here who, who without a shadow of a doubt knows that he made a difference. And you as well. And you can't compare what you both have done. Well, and, and it's funny because in, in these conversations with him about EQ, I've talked to him and I've, I've, I've contributed a very, very small amount. Okay, let me just be very upfront about it. Very small amount that I've contributed. But in that, I feel like, okay, a part of what the conversation that I had with him, and if he goes out and save a life, okay, then I had a part to play in that. And I, I'm like, yeah, I'm very proud of that. I'm very proud of that, which is why I'm like, you know what? If that means I reject some of these other things culturally, yeah, I'm okay with that too. And that's why I love having the conversations like this that just almost never get out because we're unlocking some stuff here. Yes, and the two of you play off of each other. You, you even though you're giving Lorenzo uh, the higher respect for what he's done and the legacy he'll leave, you 
give him a lot of feedback emotionally and energetically that helps sustain him as well. So you're critical in what he does. Yes? Yeah, I, I would absolutely agree. And, and he downplays. He yeah. downplays because <laughs> this, this dynamic that's happening right here, this is our, our norm. Yeah, this and, is us. And this yeah. is how you know we bounce stuff off of each other. And, and I don't know if I have time real quick, but yes. to be honest, it's he recruited me. So I was, I was a recruiter on the circuit when he was a recruiter, and that's how we met. So he recruited me. I went to Phoenix PD. It wasn't a good fit originally. I, I, I just, I, it just wasn't a good fit. I left. I went to a smaller department, and then he brought me back. So, I mean, think about all those steps and that friendship and, and over 20 years. And we can't, we cannot, we're not smart enough as humans to actually pinpoint all this stuff. It's just making a left turn instead of a right. Uh, the light changes your life. Same thing. He perhaps subconsciously saw and felt something with you. And he probably just wanted you to be his friend because look at you guys right now. <laughs> you two are inextricable. And you both have the same light of life in you. This must be, you had a good night's sleep, both of you, last night? Yeah, for the first time in a while. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely on your faces. Well, I just want to say that, Lorenzo, you are a public speaker, and you have an upcoming engagement at the Arizona Summit of Public Safety and Behavioral Health, March 7th and 8th. Which day will you be there? I think Not I'm sure. there on Wednesday. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's in Chandler, and it's called De-Escalating the Effects of Crisis Intervention, which can also apply, apply to crisis in life for the average Joe as well, the same components of protecting yourself what is considered crisis situations? Of course, you're speaking from law enforcement, but but the average person can take away because this is a public uh, venue, correct? Anyone can have the tickets. Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, yes, tickets are available through Eventbrite. Is there anything you wanted to say about that particular uh, event you're speaking at? Is it going to be something similar? It's uh, de-escalating the effects of crisis intervention. Intervention which is kind of what we tapped into here. Yeah, and it'll be, it'll be more towards, geared towards, I should say, people who are working in crisis because my partner and I have noticed over the years that there are ways to burn your candle at both ends and in the middle, and we've found some ways to kind of stave off the amount of stress that you're, you're taking in because it, it can be tough when you're talking to somebody, and we like to call it going down the rabbit hole of somebody who's got schizophrenia, bipolar mania, all, all kinds of things. And you're constantly going down those rabbit holes and you have to know, okay, I'm going to hold the light here and wait for you rather than going all the way down the hole. That's, that's a critical awareness right there. Protecting yourself while also protecting the one you're trying to help. Yes. And so this particular uh, speaking engagement, it would be good for those in healthcare. Yeah. Anybody who's and in healthcare. Anyone who... Well, anyone in fire and anyone who is public servant who is constantly barraged with a high stress level. Absolutely. And, yeah. and, and we're seeing it more and more. I'm sure it's on the fire side. I know it's on the law enforcement side. And for sure in the medical field, you're getting some note of this person has mental health issues or this is a mental health crisis with almost every situation. Mm -hmm. And military, but again, that's they're their own entity. They have their own. Although, if you come out of the military and you're not in healthcare and you're not fire and you're not law, 
you're not getting the help, perhaps. So this would be good for veterans? It, it could be good for veterans. And, and we partner with the VA. Um, we do stuff with them. They have their own police force that's actually crisis intervention trained, and we try and work with them and train with them as well because there are a lot of veterans who have lost faith in the system. They're just not uh, in the best place to accept services. And so we work with uh, those individuals as well. Oh, this was wonderful. Thank you so much. Anything closing you'd like to say either? Well, he's not going to say this, but he needs to, he's going to be a published author pretty soon. He's got his own podcast. So, you know, if you want more of what Lorenzo has to offer, uh, I mean, there's, there's opportunities out there. Um, you, you know, this is just one book of what I hope is many. So you're very, um, what's the word? What, how would you describe him that? Cause I didn't know any of that. Stuff. Humble, humble. Yes. He's super humble, which also is part of being, um, talented in EQ. You're, you're not provoking others with your strong, um, poking the bear type of behavior. You, you stay within yourself. You stay humble do you are you a, more of an observer than you are a participant in life? I would say so. I'm an analyst for sure. Uh, I've realized that about myself. I, try, I tend to be a little bit more uh, introverted until I feel okay. I'm comfortable here. I can I can talk about some things. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I picked up when you walked in the door. So thank you for being here. We're going to do a closeout word from our sponsor, Snake Charmer Men's Body Waxing. Thanks to Steve Carell's chest wax scene in The 40-Year-Old Virgin. You guys are giggling. It's the same reaction every time. The social stigma of men's body waxing holds you guys hostage from enjoying the game-changing life hack. Head over to snakecharmerwaxing.com or click the sponsor image where you can watch men's Brazilian wax done the right way from start to finish. Thanks to everyone out there in the ether for sitting in with us at The Naked Truth. Until next time. Hey guys, there's a reason why so few body waxing hair removal studios don't want to deal with your cock and balls. And many that do, shouldn't. All waxers are not created equal. Our boys deserve to be placed upon a pedestal, not in a vice. The gals at Snake Charmer Men's Body Waxing work exclusively with men, on men, and for men dedicating their careers to providing a safe place both physically and emotionally where we gentlemen are free from the social crosshairs of man bashing. Head over to snakecharmerwaxing.com or click on the sponsor image to see how they wax what others won't. All right, boys, it's time to zip it up and get on out of here.